Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. Turn with you if you would to Hebrews chapter 11, and uh, we're going to get into it this morning. You brought your Bibles? Good, good. Hebrews chapter 11, Hebrews the 11th chapter. I uh, started something back in, uh, actually I think it was May, and then I, I did another Sunday morning in June, and uh, talking about faith, of course it's been a theme around here for a little while, and uh, pastor's been, been ministering on it, but I will say this, I started before him, so uh, he's just uh, following me, uh, but uh, I want to go back to some of the things that I've been talking about and, and uh, try to, to wrap some of this up, had a few more things I wanted to add. Uh, to what we said before. If you haven't heard the prior messages, I encourage you to go back and listen to them. Actually, I listened to it last night just to see where I stopped last time, and it was actually really good. And I was like, oh, that was pretty decent, brother. So anyway, uh, go back and listen to it. It'll be a blessing to you. Hebrews chapter 11 says, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. The good news is with faith, it is possible, right? Without faith, it is impossible to please him for he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. The Amplified says, but without faith, it is impossible to please and to be satisfactory to him. For whoever would come near to God must necessarily believe that God exists and that he is a rewarder of those who earnestly and diligently seek him out. Uh, I like the New Living Bible. It says, it is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he is a rewarder of those who seek, who sincerely seek him. And so we, like I said, pastor's been ministering on faith. I started a while back talking about faith and, and, uh, you know, the, the subject of faith is an important thing. It's, it is the, 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 the first way or the first step really in pleasing God. And it really ought to be the goal of all of our lives to be pleasing to him. Amen. And so I don't know about you, but I, I desire to be pleasing to him. So we must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. Your faith, your belief, where you're putting your trust is such an important uh, aspect of your life. And, you know, God takes notice of these things. You know, God knows we, 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 can't, um, we can't fool him. He knows where we really put our trust. <laughs> he knows where we put our trust, and he knows where we put our trust in every area of our life. He knows where, we're, where our faith is. That's really what faith is. Faith is trust. That's what it is. It is, it's, uh, it's where you plate the action of faith is where you place your trust. And so, uh, you know, faith, uh, is important. We're, we're every day putting our trust somewhere and I encourage you to put your trust in him. Amen. And so it says that faith is impossible to believe him, but it also says that they must also believe not only he is that he exists, but he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So I begin to talk a little bit about putting faith with your or actions with your faith, you know, corresponding actions and, and pastor's been ministering off and on touching on that. He's been getting on a lot of different things. And so he's been talking about it as well, but you know, our, our faith, whatever you really believe is going to be evident by what you do. You know, I've said it before, but uh, uh, you can't separate your actions from what you really believe. You just can't separate the two. They go hand in hand. One is an outflow of another. I made this reference, you know, uh, uh, the last time back in June, I said, you know, that uh, I know you, you believe in or trust in the seat you're sit- the, the seats because you're sitting in them. 
And if you didn't trust in it, then you wouldn't be sitting in it. And the fact that you're there is a, an expression or action to where your trust is. And, and we've all been places where you see something, maybe you made something in shop as a kid, a seat, you know, and, and uh, maybe you weren't so, quite so sure if it would hold you or if it was made quite right, you know. I know I made a little bench thing when I was growing up, and, and uh, actually I still have it at the house, but I don't sit on it. I'll sit the gas can on it because I trust it to hold the gas can, but not to hold me. So I have a little bit of trust, but not trust for me, but trust for something else. And so, you know, where your faith is, is going to be evident in, in what you do. If I were to tell you this morning that, uh, there is some currency or some cash under somebody's seat in here, then I would know whether you believe that or not by what you did. Right. If I were to say there's money under somebody's seat in this room, I would know whether you believe that or not by what you did. If I were to say there is green currency with one of our presidents under somebody's seat in this room, whether you believed it or not, I would know about what you did. If I were to tell you that there is green currency under somebody's seat, I would know if you believed me or not based upon what you did. If I were to tell you there was money under somebody's seat, oh, she just pulling out money. She's trying to help me out. No, I'm not saying you got to help me out. If I were to tell you and say, as associate pastor Greg Anderson, that there is money under somebody's seat, somebody's seat in here. There's cash. If I were, if I were to say that. I would know, I've been saying it like five times. If I were to say that, whether you believed it or not would be evident by what you do. If I were to say there is money in somebody's seat in this area. I am saying there is money under somebody's seat in this general area. Whether you believe it or not will be evident about what you do. David McKenzie, if there is money under somebody's seat in this room, there's a bottle. Look under the rim of the seat, the, the metal of the chair. Y'all help me out. Dear Jesus. David's like, I, Brother David's like, I don't believe that guy. Oh, there's a $20 bill under her seat, his seat. It's hers now. It's always hers, isn't it? When, they're, when you're married, right? You guys know what I'm talking about. You find some money, it's always hers. <laughs> I tell you, some people are like pulling money out to help me out. People get up running around. But Brother David, I'm just not looking, bless God. I'm just not going to do it. <laughs> now, I just got to tell you, right, I asked Steve, I, I just said pick a number between one and three. One, two, and three, or one and four. He picked three, said pick between one and something. He picked, I think, number six. And I said, pick right or left. He picked it and then said, pick another number. Sweet. I, he didn't even know what I was doing. He picked a seat. So I said, okay, let me try this again. So I called Joby. Joby picked almost the exact same seat, not knowing what I was talking about. So I wasn't set up. And I'm glad David, somebody was actually sitting in it. But um, totally random. So it could have been over here. And if it wasn't, just blame Steve and, and uh, Joby for that. But um but, you know, uh, the example is when something is said, whether you believe it or not, is, is you cannot deny it, what somebody believes, 
See, even in that example, it's just an, something you're just saying, well, he's just making a joke. See, if you see them just being silly, and obviously it was to be fun, but if you just see something as being a silly or not really applying to you, it'll affect how you respond. And so you cannot separate what you believe and what you do. You just cannot do it. They go hand in hand. They're tied together. So I will say this of myself because I don't make anybody uncomfortable. What I do is a direct reflection of what I believe. How I live my life is a direct reflection of what I believe in my life. How I approach God is a direct uh, reflection and an offshoot of of how I view him. Do I believe he exists and do I believe he's a rewarder? The same is true of all of us. That what we believe affects directly how we act. Amen. Go over to James, the first chapter. We're going to look at a few things. We read this scripture before, but we need to read it again. James chapter 1. Hallelujah. I even thought this out, Sister uh, Diane. Give me that 20 and I'll give you a 10, a 5, and 5 ones. That way you can tithe on it. Easy. All right. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Somebody said, wow. But I tell you what, in my life, I, I do view things that way. Because I don't want to miss out on anything God has for me. I want to make sure that I'm honoring him in everything. Remember what I said. What you believe, you will be specific in what you do. That's the truth. Praise God. James, uh, the first chapter, verse 22 says, But be doers of the word and not hearers only. So it is possible to hear and not do. You know, anytime you you hear a message and and somebody gets up to preach or, or someone reads the word, I, I, I like to, uh, to take that as an opportunity to examine my life and examine where I'm at, what's going on. It is possible to be a hearer and not a doer. And so, you know, this morning as we talk, you know, let, 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 try, don't just listen to what I say, but, but, but stay attentive to the Spirit. The Holy Spirit will illuminate things and bring things to your attention. You know, God wants us to grow in every area of our life, Right. I mean, you know, uh, it was written, you know, I above, wish above all things that you would prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. And so every aspect of your life, God desires that you're growing and developing and seeing the character of God displayed in your life in every area. And so, you know, as I'm, as I'm ministering today, you know, just let the Spirit of God point things out and show you areas. Because the truth is we all have areas. Every single person, if we're going to be honest... And if we're not going to be honest, then we have another area to work on. It's about being honest, right? So if we're going to be honest, we all have areas to work on, right? It says, but be doers of the word and not hearers only. Notice deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, And it's not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work. This one, which one? This one, the one that's not a forgetful hearer. One that is uh, not a forgetful hearer, but a doer. This one will be blessed in what he does. And if you jump down to the second chapter, James chapter 2, the 14th verse, it says, What does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can faith save him? Well, we know that faith alone is not enough. How many of you know your Bible? Romans chapter 10, right? You have to believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is the Lord, is Lord, right? Believing and confessing. You have to believe something and then put forth some action. 
You know, I said this, uh, the last minister that I believe there are people probably today that are separated from God because they, they did believe they just never confessed. We knew of the Pharisees that they believed, but, but a fear of the Jews, they didn't actually confess Jesus. So, you know, it's important that you put action to every part of it. Even the most important thing, put action to it. Can faith save him? Well, the answer is no. If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to him, depart in peace, be warmed and filled, but you do not give him the things that are, which are needed for the body, what does it profit? Can I just say we need more than just words? Amen. Praise the Lord. Thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But some will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works and I will show you uh, my faith by my works. You believe that there is one God, you do, you do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. So we can see here that demons have faith. They, they do believe this. But do you want to know, O foolish man, that without faith works is dead? Was not Abraham our father justified by faith when he offered Isaac his, own, his, his son on the altar do you see that faith was working together with his works and by works, faith was made perfect and the scripture was fulfilled, which says Abraham believed and it was accounted to him for righteousness. And he, he was called, he was called the friend of God. You see then that, the, that a man is justified by works and not by faith only. Likewise was not Rahab the harlot also justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out another way. For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. And so the subject of our, our actions and what we do uh, uh, that we put behind is really, it's an important thing. I don't know about you, but I don't want my faith to be dead. I don't want to have demon faith. I don't want to have dead faith. Can I get an amen out there? I don't want my faith to be of the category that the demons walk in. Amen. I don't want that to be the case. I don't want that to be said that even the demons and Greg Anderson they have faith. Now I want my faith to be one that is of the, the God kind of faith. That faith will not produce. You know, demons believe in Jesus, but it's not producing something because they're not going to act on it. They didn't act on it. Instead of, instead of stating their allegiance to the father, they actually sided in with somebody else. So they knew who he was, but they didn't act pr- appropriately and it cost them. So, you know, for us, our, our actions ha- have got to uh, be in line with what we believe. Billy Graham says something, that, and I think this is just good. It's one of my, one of, there's many quotes of his that are good, but he says, someone asked Billy Graham, if Christianity is valid, why is there so much evil in the world? To this, the famous preacher replied, with so much soap, why are there so many dirty people in the world? Christianity, like soap, must be personally applied if, it's, if it is to make a difference in our lives. It has to be personally applied if it's to make a difference in our lives. You know, we, we, we've been taught a lot of stuff around here. And let me just say, it's important that we don't get to the place where our security is in what we know. Can I get any help this morning? It's important that our confidence not be in what you know. It's good to know a lot of things. And the Bible says that, that we should be increasing in the knowledge of God. And so it should be the goal of every person to be growing in their knowledge of God. Knowledge is important. If you don't know that there's a money underneath your seat, how are you going to access it? If you don't know what belongs to you, if you don't know who he is and what he wants to be do in your life and who he wants to be and is to you and all of the things that, that are available to you, how are you going to access that? 
Well, you won't. So knowledge is important. And, and you know, one of my subjects I love to talk about is renewing the mind. And that's making yourself uh, uh, retraining the way you think so you can think in line with God's word, not just with the way things go here, but training yourself to think according to the way God does things. And so knowledge is important. Without knowledge, faith and knowledge go hand in hand. You realize that they're tied together. And so you, 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 you got to grow in the knowledge of God. You should be endeavoring to grow in the knowledge of God, but don't put your security in how much, you know, the Bible also says that knowledge puffs up. So it's possible to have a lot of knowledge and yet still be living in a place of pride because it, it because you know a lot. How, what is the solution to that? The, the fix to that, to knowledge and not getting into pride is always being in a state of action. In your life, always being in a state of action, you always being in a state of moving forward and progressing forward and applying these things because, you know, we grow in knowledge, but we also have to grow in the application of these things. There is many things that over the years that, that I have heard over the years that even today I'm still learning how to better apply them and to put them into work in my body, in my life, in my finances, in my family. You know, anytime you, you see something in the word and you're not experiencing, it's not that it's wrong or God's at fault. That's not it. It's our application, understanding of how to put it into practice, either our obedience to do it, our faithfulness to do it, or just an understanding of how to do it. And so, you know, how do you ride a bike? You ride a bike by getting on a bike and riding it. You're only going to learn how some of the, how some of these things work for you by practicing and putting them into practice in your life, by actually going out and doing these things. You know, I was encouraged last week, Joey got up and talked about tithing. He said, you know, made the decision to tithe. And and of course God began to move. Well, you know, you can know and hear about tithing, but until you do it, it's not going to produce for you. So putting action, putting action, putting action, uh, behind these things is so important. So, uh, go over to John, the second chapter, John chapter two, someone feels like saying, amen, I would not be offended at you at all for doing that. So, uh. Amen. Thank you, Ryan. A little, little, little choral version there. That's nice. John chapter two. <laughs> well, what action should I take? What action, what action should I do? So we were talking about this and we're going to minute just get into some, some practical areas, but it says here in John chapter two, the, the two, the first chapter, it says on the third day, there was a wedding at Cana in Cana of Galilee and the mother of Jesus was, was there. Now both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding. Wouldn't you like to have Jesus at your wedding? And, uh, and when they ran out of wine, the mother of Jesus said to him, they, they have no wine. Jesus said to her, woman, what does your concern have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, whatever he says to do, do it. This is a phrase that if you're taking notes, if you're going to write it, take anything away from today. Whatever he says to do, do it. Whatever he says to do, do it. Whatever he says to do, do it. How many know that that is not always the easiest thing in the world to do? Right? I mean, a scripture I like to read often when we take up the offering is to uh, uh, trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. How many know that our understanding, our viewpoint, our vantage point, our perspective, the way it looks good to us, uh, doesn't always line up with what he says to do? It doesn't always work that way, but you know what? There is victory in just simply whatever he tells you to do. Just 
do that. Of course, you know the rest of the story. You know the the uh, uh, the servants took the took the wine or, or the the jugs. You know they filled them up with water. He told them to fill them with water, water taken to the master of the feast. And so uh, they did that. The Bible says they filled them to the brim. And I love that because that is just they are wanting to be so exact. He said, "Fill them up. If there's any space, it's not full." And so they filled it up to the very brim. That's kind of like with, you know, the, the change for the 20. I want to be exact in these things. And so uh, uh, they filled it up to the brim, took it to the wedding, you know, the, the master of the feast. You know, that whole time they had opportunities to do something else. You ever work for somebody and you know that your job depended upon it? These guys' jobs depended upon it and maybe more. If they did something that didn't make any sense or was an embarrassment, how many think that would be embarrassing to the master of the feast to be, have water served when it's supposed to be something else. Do you think he might be a little upset with that? But see, you don't lean on your own understanding. You don't look at it, what makes sense or what's safe. Just simply do what he says. You know, there, 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 you know, we, we don't want to be people that just push the limits to push the limits, but I'll tell you this. If the Lord tells you to do something and it seems to be unsafe, you better do it. If it seems to be something that doesn't make a lot of sense, you better do it. I know we have friends, you know, or people that we know that on 9-11 worked in the towers. Uh, uh, you've heard this before, worked a pastor of a church up there that had people in their church that worked in the upper floors of the towers. And they had it on their heart that morning to go into work late. You know, if you work for a major, these major finance companies, having to go into work late probably is not the best idea. Especially, you know, when the, the, the market's open early, you want to be there before the market's open. If you do stocks, you know, if you know anything about that, there is pre-trading that goes on. You don't want to be late to work. It can cost you and your firm a lot of money, but they had it on their heart. They just felt a sense that the spirit was leading them. Go to work late today. Don't go in on time. How many know that it might've seemed risky or not make a lot of sense, but have you know that sometimes just simply doing whatever the spirit tells you has grave consequences and, and there's a lot of protection there for you if you'll just simply obey. And so one of the people we know, you know, their entire office, the people that were there, every last one of them died. This guy lived because he just simply listened, just didn't go into work, just didn't go, just went in late. Well, of course, you know, he was going to start to go later and realized, okay, this is why I had it in my heart not to go. Whatever he tells you to do, just do that. Action is required. Uh, let me, let's turn over to him and skip around a little bit here. Go over to Hebrews, the 10th chapter. I'm going to read one more verse. I don't think we read this before, but Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews, the 10th chapter. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 35, it says, Therefore, do not cast away your confidence, your trust, which has great reward. For you have need of endurance. Amplified says patient endurance. So that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. Notice, when do you receive the promise? After you've done the will of God. And, and I, just, I just, keep, just keep going over this because we have to see, all of us have to see that action is so important. Can you, can you see that today? Action is important. Well, you know, 
in every area, if you want to see the will of God performed in your life in any given area, you've got to make sure that you're putting his action. It's not about doing something. It's about doing what he said. Over the years, I've had people ask, you know, what do I do in this situation? What do I do in that situation? Well, you know, when there comes to specifics, I can't necessarily give somebody specifics in details outside of the word. But how do you know there's so many areas in God's word that if you'll just do those, oftentimes the specific that you need will just naturally come. They'll just come. They just happen on their own. Because when you're in a place of wanting to be obedient and you're born again, you've got the spirit of God living on the inside of you. If you're endeavoring to be obedient to the will of God, to do the things that he's already told you to do, when you do that, God is faithful to always give you the specifics of what you need. He is faithful to give you the specifics of what you need. See, a lot of times I think we stress over stuff because we want to see the whole picture. We want to see the beginning from the end and know how it's going to work. Do you have any people in here that you would be classified a little bit of a control freak? Be honest. Don't lie in church. Some hands like, oh, no. yeah, I know some of you, I should have raised your hand. Miss Debbie, put your hand up. Okay. Yeah. All right. So <laughs> wave that thing around. We need to give her a handkerchief. So <laughs> Just kidding. She's, she's a blessing. So <laughs> she did put her hand up. Hey, you got to know who you are. I got a little bit of that in me too. So <laughs> watch it, Kendra, watch it. All right. So, uh, so we want to know the beginning from the end. We want to know everything. How many know that, that that gets us out of trusting in him, right? The Bible says the steps of a righteous man are ordered of the Lord. It didn't say the whole thing is, is ordered. Yes, but it's done one step at a time. It's done one step at a time, one step at a time, one step at a time. Listen, I don't know where you're at. I don't know what's going on. I don't really know even what the Lord is bringing up to you even this morning as we talk. But if you're open, I know he'll bring things up to you. But I don't know what those things are. Start with what you know. Start with what you know. Start with what you know. Don't don't say, well, I need to see the whole picture before I begin to move. Start with what you know. Amen. Uh, let's look at a, at a, at a couple of scriptures here. Let me see. Uh, You know, sometimes the Lord will ask you to do something that was big. Go to Mark chapter five. We read this, uh, uh, as well before, but, uh, I just want to point this out. Some things out here, Mark, the fifth chapter in the 25th verse, this is talking about the woman with the, the issue of blood. And it's a story that, that we all know very well. And we're, we're real familiar with when we talk about faith that get gets ministered on all the time, but you know, there's a lot here. It says in, uh, in this verse, it says, there was a certain woman who had a flow of blood for 12 years, verse 26, and suffered many things from many physicians. She had spent all she had, but was no better, rather grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garments. First, she said, the Greek, original Greek said, she kept saying, if I may only touch his clothes, I shall be made well. Immediately, the fountain of her blood was dried up and, and she was sure in her body that she was healed of the affliction. And Jesus, immediately knowing what, that uh, in himself, that power had gone out of him, turned around the crowd and said, who touched my clothes? But the disciples said to him, you see the multitude thronging you and you say, who touched me? And he looked around to see her who had uh, done this thing, but the woman fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her came and fell before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her daughter, your faith has made you well. Now what made her well? Her faith. He said, go in peace and be healed of your affliction. Now, this woman had, a, had, a, had an issue here where she just wasn't supposed to be in the crowd. She wasn't supposed to be with that, uh, amongst people, and she was very weak. 
How many know that this, this leading that she had now, we don't know if the spirit of God specifically prompted her to do this, but she saw somewhere and her faith was, if I can just get to Jesus and touch the hem of his clothes, I'll be healed. That's where her faith was. How many know that if she had stayed home or said, you know, this is too dangerous, this is too risky, I'm too weak, I'm too frail. If she had not pressed through the crowd or if she had gone through the crowd and given up halfway there, would she have been healed? No, because she, she wouldn't have actually got to where her answer was. And so a lot of times, you know, there are things that, that, that the Lord puts on a heart and maybe something you see in scripture, we'll talk about one in a minute, that uh, though it's small, it, it really is a big thing. There's something you see and it seems to be too big, too big of a sacrifice to have to make. Have you ever been in a situation where you had something in your heart that you were believing God for and the direction you had just seemed to be too big or way too big for you? If you know him very long, you're going to be in those situations because he does things bigger than us. He, that's just the way he does things. And I'll say this, if everything is within your ability, you're not stretching yourself. If everything is within your ability, you're really not trusting God. If you're going to trust him, you're going to get into situations where it is too big for you. I tell you, we want miracles. We want signs and wonders. We got to get past ourselves and start trusting in him. Amen. You know, we think about Noah. Noah uh, built this ship, and, they, and, and it was 50 feet or 50, uh, 50 yards wide, 500 yards long. This thing was huge. You know, he spent years working on this. Did, do you think he had the opportunity to think that was too big? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego believed something. Do you, think there was, do you believe there was risk for them to stand up and to say, you know, no, Nebuchadnezzar, you're not God. There's only one God. Do you, do you think that has some risk there? Do you think that them to follow and put action to what they believe has some risk? The truth is there were people surrounding those boys, those three guys that believed the same thing, but their belief wasn't big enough to cause them to do anything about it. It wasn't strong enough to cause them to do anything about it. And these guys said, listen, hey, you're not it. And even though you threatened us, we're going to do this. Throughout the Bible, Abraham leaving his family, leaving his home, going somewhere where he didn't know where he was going. Is there risk involved in that? Yeah, there's risk in that. You know, and, and you, you've got to be in the place where we really trust him. We really, really just simply trust what he's telling us to do. You know, we'll, we'll talk about finances in a minute. Maybe putting God first in your finances seems like it's a really big, it's too big for you. Listen, trust God in your family, in your, in your marriage, in your body. Trust God. Whatever he tells you to do, do that. Don't have things, well, this is big, this is, uh, th this is just too big. Trust him. And so obviously this was something that, that was big. You have the story of the rich young ruler, you know. He came to Jesus and, and uh, what do I need to do to, to have eternal life? He said all these things, you know, follow the law and the prophets. He said, listen, I've done all of that. He said, go out and sell everything you have and follow me. The Bible says he walked away sad because he had great possessions. Now, I know, I know our heavenly father. If he had gone out and given, sold everything and given it to the poor, do you think he would have been taken care of? Yeah, because the scripture goes on to say shortly after that, Jesus explaining, he said, and everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or fathers or wives or children or lands for my name's sake shall receive a hundredfold and inherit eternal life. But those who are, are first will be last and the last first. Not only in this life, but the life which is to come, there's blessing for you. But we miss out because things seem to be too big. Things just a lot of times just seem to be, God is going to challenge you. Amen. Are you out there? 
<laughs> He's going to challenge you. He's going to challenge you. Go with me over to uh, 2 Kings, the fifth chapter, 2 Kings chapter 5. We're just running short on time, so I won't read all of this, but uh, Naaman the leopard, he was the commander of the army of the king of Syria. Uh, 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 well, verse, verse 1, it says, Now Naaman the commander of the army of the king of Syria was a great and honorable man in the eyes of his master. Uh, because, because by him the Lord had given victory to Syria, he's also a mighty man of valor, but a leopard. So he had a need in his life. He uh, goes to the, uh, to the prophet, uh, seeking of him uh, verse uh, verse nine, then Naaman went to the house with his horses and chariots and he stood at the door of Elisha's house and Elisha sent a messenger to him saying, go wash in the Jordan seven times and your flesh will be restored to you and you shall be clean. But Naaman became furious and went away. Indeed, I, uh, indeed, I said to myself, he will surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord, his God and wave his hand over the place and heal the leprosy. I can't tell you how many times I've been in something where this is the way I wanted it to be done, but that's just not the way God was going to do it. <laughs> many, 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 many times. And sometimes it upset me a little bit. Verse 12, and um, uh, are you not Abana and the uh, Farpar? Uh, or are not the, these two rivers, the rivers of Damascus, better than the, all the waters of Israel? Could I not wash in them and be clean? Be clean? So he turned away and went, in, went out in a rage, or went in a rage. And a servant came near and spoke to him and said, and said, My father, if the prophet had told you to do something great, you, would you not have done it? How much more than when he says, Wash and be clean? So he went down and dipped seven times in the Jordan, according to the saying of the man of God, and his flesh was restored like the flesh of a child, and he was clean. The reason I want to read that, and, and we've got to move on, but the reason I want to read that is it comes in two, let me stop my watch. It comes in two sides. Many times people are, something is too big. Other times the Lord will tell you to do something that's so simple, they just can't do it because it's so easy. They just can't submit because it just seems to be too insignificant. Let me just say, whatever he tells you to do, just do that. It may be something as simple as change your schedule on this area. Just do this. It may be make this small adjustment, whatever it is he tells you to do. Sometimes we have major needs. This man was a leper. It was a major need in his life. Dipping in this water made no sense. But because it was so easy and his need was so great, he just was unwilling to do it. So we have got to be open. There's two ditches on both sides, being too big and too great. One of the smallest or biggest and smallest areas in our life involve our mouth. And I want to talk about this for just a minute. One of the biggest areas is involving our mouth. In James chapter 1, I'm going to read this to you. These are the verses that follow uh, right after what we read earlier today. James chapter 1, verse 26. Uh, the verse is about being a doer and not a hearer only. It says, if anyone among you thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his own heart, this one's religion is useless. Another, the Amplified says, worthless, futile, and barren. The Message Bible calls it hot air. And uh, I know Pastor had mentioned this last week about making sure that our confession, we're speaking the right things over our life. And I just want to look at this a little bit more this morning in, the, in a few minutes we have here is... One of the first areas which can be the biggest thing and it can be the smallest thing is making sure we're careful with the words of our mouth. It is so important that you watch 
what you say, that you are watching over your words and you're careful about those things. In James chapter three, verse one, it says, my brethren, let not any of many of you become teachers knowing that they shall receive a stricter judgment. For we, for we all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect or mature man. Able also to bridle the whole body his whole life. Indeed, we put bits in a horse's mouth that they may, they may obey us, and we turn their whole body. Look also at ships. Although they are large, they are driven by fierce winds. They are turned by a very small rudder wherever the pilot desires. Even so, the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. There is so much power in the words that you say over your life. There is so much power over the words you say. While it fits Naaman's story being so insignificant, it also fits the other side of being a major deal because controlling what comes out of your mouth can be the biggest uh, hurdle we have to face. Can I tell you that it's probably one of the areas that I struggle in more than anything else is monitoring what comes out of my mouth and making sure the right things are coming out of my mouth. You know, we did this whole uh, 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 video for the uh, uh, talent show a few years, you know, Confession Cop. Who remembers Confession Cop? And, and, uh, and we like to make fun of this. And, and you know, but it's, it, th- while there's jest and people can take things too far, it is very important you monitor the words that come out of your mouth. And um, Hebrews, of course, we know that the worlds were formed by the word of God and, and the things that were seen were not made, uh, uh, were made, the things which are not seen were made so that the things which are seen were not made by things which are visible. The worlds were framed by the words of God. How many of you know that your world is being framed by what you're saying? Your world is being framed by what you're saying. The Psalm says in 118, it says, A man's stomach will be satisfied by the fruit or from the fruit of his mouth. From the produce of his lips he shall be filled. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. So I'm putting action to what you believe. How about putting action to what you believe? Uh, something that um, uh, I, I've told you this story before in times ministering. I worked with a guy in college. Uh, his name was Tommy. And uh, Tommy was somebody that always got sick. He had, was always having issues and, and, and getting sick. And we had this uh, particular girl that came to work and she was uh, not feeling well, went home sick. And so, you know, we all took bets. Yeah, but Tommy's going to come in tomorrow. Tommy's or not going to come in. Tommy's going to be sick. Sure enough, the next day comes along and, and uh, uh, he wasn't at work. He called in. He just wasn't feeling well because he was around this girl that was sick the day before. And he just kept saying that whole day, I know I'm going to get it. I know I'm going to catch it. I know I'm going to be sick just like her. Whatever she's got, I know I'm going to get it. So, of course, the next day he missed and had real symptoms in his body. Well, we came to find out later that this girl was pregnant. She had morning sickness. And so Tommy caught morning sickness. You know, it's, it's funny. It's, it is ridiculous, but he actually was sick because he said and said and said and said, this is what's going to be. He said and said and said and said, this is what he's going to have. You're, you're, the action of what comes out of your mouth is huge. Proverbs says you're snared by the words of your mouth. Uh, it also says in the 29th chapter, it says, do you not see that a man with, uh, do you see, do you see a man hasty with, with his words? There is more hope for a fool than him. Words are a big deal in our lives. Amen. Go with me over to Second Corinthians chapter three, or Second Timothy chapter three. I just want to look at this. Second Timothy the third chapter. 
You know, we know in, in the first verse here, it talks about uh, in the last days, perilous times will come. People will be lovers of themselves. All these different things that, uh, that we see going on in the world. But, you know, really this was not a description of what's going on in the world. It was a description of what would be happening in the church. And he saw it all these different things. In verse 5, it says, having a form of godliness but denying its power. And from such people turn away. How many know that your confession, the things, the words that you say, that you speak out of over your life will either allow or deny the power of God from working in your life? You can hear and 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 hear. But if the words coming out of your mouth are not correct, they will actually deny God's power from functioning in your life. It's not that it can't or that he doesn't want it to. You actually deny it with your own words. You deny it with your words. You know, I was thinking uh, uh, just about different areas, and we'll wrap up here in just a second because we're running out of time, but I was thinking about different areas. You know, in your walk with God, putting action to your faith, putting action to what you believe, in your walk with God. I've heard it. I've, had, I've heard people say, and, 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 and maybe even caught myself in the past, I don't know, but, you know, it's just so difficult to hear from God. It's just so difficult to have direction. It's just so difficult. You know, you got to watch what you say. The Bible says that if you seek, you'll find. Doesn't it? Jesus said, if you seek, you'll find. If you ask, it'll be, it'll be given to you. You'll receive. If you knock, it'll be open to you. Matthew 7, 7 and 8. So if you do these things, you'll have. Well, it's important we make sure that our words line up with that. It's important that our words line up with that. You know, in your walk with God, speak life over your relationship with God. Speak life of your relationship with God. One of the things that, that we have taught the youth over the years is to say, I hear his voice, I know his voice, I recognize him, I see him, I know him. Right? We, we've talked about that. I see him, I know him, I reckon it's easy for me to hear from God. You know, make sure you're confessing the right things in that area of your life. What about your body? Saying the right things over your body. You know, we all go through things, we face stuff. I can't tell you how many times I've heard people say, even to me, well, as you get older, this is what's going to happen. You've got, the, you've got the ability to believe whatever you want to believe, and really what you believe will come out of your mouth. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. What you really believe will come out of your mouth. So information, putting in the word, retraining your mind is important because unchecked, the wrong thing will come out of your mouth. And whatever you speak, that was what will shape your life. In your body, begin to declare blessing in your body. Begin to declare health in your body. Speak these things over your life. So I don't even know where to start in this area. Start speaking life. I know people that they, all they can talk about is what's wrong today. Do you know people who are like that? Their life centers around what doctor's visit they're going to. Listen, I'm not against going to the doctor. Go, don't go. That's none of my business. You follow your heart. But it shouldn't be the conversation of your life. Right? Careful what you say. Careful what you say. Careful what, what comes out of your mouth in these areas. What about in your finances? We know in Malachi, he said, they said, your words have been harsh against me. What he said, your words have been, that means they were and they still are harsh. They said, it doesn't do any good to follow the ordinances of God. It doesn't do any good to do this. You know, your words can affect your blessing that you're supposed to receive. Your words affect that. Christmas is coming up, the greatest time of the year. Most wonderful time of the year, right? Not college football. 
People start complaining about how much stuff costs. Now, I do agree that we take things too far. But don't speak, don't speak lack in your life. What about in your marriage, in your family? Speak life in those areas. Put action to what you believe. Speak out good things into your life. Speak out good things into your marriage. Right? Listen, he may not be the easiest person to live with. You probably aren't the easiest person to live with either. I know I'm not the easiest person to live with. My wife said, amen, right? I am not the easiest person to live with. But complaining is not going to change anything, right? Complaining won't change anything. You got to start speaking good things. You know, I I was thinking this afternoon or this morning rather when I got up, you know, about actions and and, and speaking is one of the the first areas that, that, and there's other things we just don't have time, but uh, other ways, but speaking is huge. You know, I was thinking about Smith Wigglesworth, his wife, Mary Jane Featherstone. When Smith Wigglesworth, before he got born again, she would leave and go to church. You know, this, these stories, she would leave and go to church. When he left, when she left, he was so mad she was going to go to church. He would lock her out of the house. Think about that. She goes to church, comes home and the door is locked. Now, why she didn't have her own key, I don't know. But uh, she didn't have a key. He would lock her out of the house. She would sleep on the porch. Some like, hmm, right? Who, who was that? Sleep on the porch. She would stay outside on the porch. In the morning, he would unlock the door and open it so she could come make him breakfast. That is either one stupid man or one extremely brave man, right? He would get up in the morning. He'd open the door after making her sleep on the porch. That's a good woman, isn't it? (laughs) That's good. She'd go in. She'd make him breakfast. She'd go in and do it. Let me just tell you something. You want to change your marriage? Help us all, right? Start being a doer of the word. Right? I mean, I've been married for 20 years. She's had to be a doer of the word a lot with me. I won't say the other. But he would lock her, she, he would lock her out. She'd open the, he'd open the letter, come in, she'd cook him breakfast. She didn't complain. She would say good morning to him, put on a big smile, go in, take care of breakfast, do what she's got to do. You may think, well, that's just too, that's just too much. That's just, I just couldn't ever do anything. Well, what is it worth to you? What is it that you're believing for? What is it that the word promises that you want in your life? You know, a lot of us, if we'll just start with comes out of our start there, that will have, that will have huge impact upon every aspect of our life. You know, she won him. He ended up obviously, you know, reaching millions of people all around the world. His impact is still going on today. But she just simply was a doer of what she knew to do. Can I say your situation, no matter what it is, is not too big for God. Just do what he's asking you to do. Start where you are. If you don't know everything, start with what you know. Don't wait for tomorrow. Don't wait for something else. Start where you are. Start where, does anybody here have something you're believing for? Something that you're, you're looking for, that you're trusting God for? Are you really believing? 
Are you really trusting in him? You know by whether or not you're doing anything with it. You know by what you're doing with it. I challenge you, pick those things up. Go after what belongs to you. Go after the things that the Lord Jesus died for that you could have. If you don't know what else today, start this morning. Start declaring the right thing over your life. Start declaring the right thing over that area in your life. Amen. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.